Chapter 3. Failure is the only option. What's been interesting kind of working through this project and as I'm speaking this to you guys, we're right at the same time that each form is three years old and so I'm getting a lot of pictures from memories of when each form first started and if you're not familiar with the story, basically I had to beg 30 people at my gym to like my page so we could start promoting the page and, and get the word out to people and uh, I really didn't have high expectations for it I really just thought that you know um, it, the, the genesis of the whole project was various challenges that gyms were doing locally that I was working with and people were struggling with the same problems and then when I would tell them you know here's the science behind that I think they sort of just looked at me as this guy that like went from gym to gym or worked out with them or something or you know the the culture at that point was really more of you know embracing quick fixes and and things of that that nature and we've been able to kind of move that discussion which is has been nice but what has been kind of even better than that is how the message has evolved as we've worked with a lot of people. I think one of the, the basic aspects of Eat to Perform that most people get wrong is that we're teaching people a system that is going to allow them to see a specific result. That really isn't what Eat to Perform is designed to do. It's really designed to teach you a system that you can use to customize your own way of doing things. And that doesn't mean that there's not some framework in place, but usually for most people, you know, Jan down the street has different tastes than, than you know, Bob down the street. And so what kind of the diet industry has sort of failed doing is kind of teaching people to fish, right? They're just feeding people fish and then, you know, once the fish is gone, um, you know, the 30-day subscription is up, 90 days or whatever, you know, the people are sort of left to their own resources and pretty much everyone is failing doing that. So in that way, you know, eat to form is really a, uh, a system that, you know, allows you to kind of figure things out and break it down piece by piece. And so that's why I say, you know, failure is not just a, you know, people look at failure as it relates to dieting very negatively. You know, they want to, they want a really rigid system. And then when they're done with that really rigid system, they have eight pack abs. And, you know, that's really what we believe is causing the problem rather than, than solving the problem. And so, you know, thinking back to, you know, the past, say 20, 25 years with dieting struggles, the one piece that I think is probably most important is this idea that failure does not provide the path to ultimate success. And when you look at, you know, as much as, you know, I'm, I'm pretty interested in obviously um, exercise physiology 
and the way that the human body works. But I'm also really interested in marketing and businesses. And most of the things that I read, you know, tend to be on that side of things. And it's kind of interesting, you know, in, in that way, because there's a lot of hypocrisy there. You know, a lot of the people that are telling people, you know, plans to, to have a successful business often are pretty similar to the diet industry, right? They, they, they talk about what made them successful. And that's one of the things that I've tried to, to do that is a little different than, than other people, you know. Um, I did, you know, we don't want this to be something that, you know, if you're 55 years old, you do this, you eat like this, and you get a result. You know, we really want it to be a lot more dynamic than that. And because of that, you know, we need to have a lot more interaction. But the, the main point here is that all the failures that I went through, through all of my dieting phases, whether it be low carb, whether, you know, and we'll talk about more specifics um, in upcoming chapters um, for certain things. I'll just give you like the basic rundown though. You know, like I said in the last couple chapters, uh, when I first started off, you know, and, and I was 25 to 30, I was relatively active. You know, I, I mean, I, I would play softball, you know, two, three nights a week. Um, I don't drink. I, I am actually sober, and so that's actually always been in my favor. Boy, I can't even imagine if, uh, if you know, beer was in the equation for me um, because, you know, it, there was just a long period where, you know, I had kind of a life that was uh, abandoned, you know. Um, I was like most people where, you know, the, some of the things that should be a bigger priority just weren't. And, and, you know, a lot of people listening to this are going to be going, well, you know, I've been fit my whole life. And so I don't see how that relates to your story. Well, have you been fit your whole life and understood exactly what works? Or are you listening to this because you've been fit your whole life, but you're still kind of missing some of the results? What I would say to you in that situation is that you're intuitive way of doing things, you know, while keeping you fit and, and, and healthy, you know, is sort of missing the bigger picture. And, and, you know, once again, I mean, people can have success eating mostly whole foods and people can have success, you know, just running most of the time or just weightlifting. But when you look at the bigger picture, and what fits for you, you know, and then using that to get results, that's really dynamic. And that, that's a much harder question than just going to, um, you know, Slim Fast or Weight Watchers or whatever it is. And, and then, you know, asking them to get, you know, a, a plan for you. You know, they really don't have a plan for you other than lower. And, you know, frankly you know, the science is kind of out there, you know, lower has its problems. And, and, you know, I don't need to kind of repeat some of the stuff from the last few chapters. But as I was sort of walking through these failures, and so, you know, like I said, you know, 25 to 30, you know, pretty much stop eating uh, Cokes and M&Ms. And then, you know, weight would sort of get back to, um, 
where it needed to be. What's interesting about it is that you know normally I sit at about 175. Right now I'm actually in a building cycle where um, I'm trying to put on some lean mass, and so I'm about 180. But what was funny about it is is that you know I and and in case you don't know my you know I got as low as 150, um, which was really super small for me, um, and. You know, but I remember 185 being like this number that I always kind of landed on. And I remember when I cracked that number and, and started to really go a lot lower than that, um, it was almost surreal. Like I didn't even think it could happen. You know, I just kept landing at that, you know, 175 to 185 range. And so getting down to 150 was pretty crazy. You know, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about set point theory and, and things of this nature. But I think a lot of people that are eating intuitively and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, they're, they're fit and, and they're ultimately, um, you know, stay, r remaining some level of healthy. But they're sort of missing that thriving component where they're kind of getting better at exercise and, you know, Maybe they have disordered sleep because they're not eating enough and, and, and those types of things. And so, you know, those are obviously topics that we'll be covering along the way. So in my early 30s was when things start to really start to kind of come off, right? You know, I was reaching 200 much more often and, you know, that was obviously a concern the thing that really stood out and it's sort of funny because you know i don't know if we'll devote a whole chapter to it or not but you know later on as i started to research like low carb diets and 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 like tim ferris's slow carb diet as an example you know these things ultimately uh, kind of confused me but did did also sort of light the path of of what really works in the end and so in that way they were they were helpful and and you know it's kind of funny as someone who's writing a book called killing the diet industry you know i actually don't believe that you know these companies are are evil like some people and even though you know i said earlier that you know many of the companies their their business model is based on failure a lot of, you know, they're, you know, I'm pretty sure that the CEO of Weight Watchers would actually prefer everyone get a result and not kind of cause a lot of the problems that are happening. So, you know, I don't, I don't believe that these people are evil. I think that they're just sort of stuck in this is what our business is. And they believe that that's what people want to hear, right? They want to, they want to, um, and people do want to hear it, you know, I mean, that, you know, I, I got to be honest with you, like when um, I was in my early dieting cycles, you know, I kind of knew, right? I kind of knew that I wasn't taking an informed approach to what I was doing. And so I wanted to pull the bandaid off as quickly as possible. And so when I first started off in my early 30s, like I mentioned in the Oprah chapter, it was really more of kind of the um, lower calories with um, fewer carbohydrates in the evening. And uh, but what was most interesting about it was the lack of exercise. 
Um, because as you know, I would say between you know 30 and 37, 37 was about the time that I started to figure things out a little bit. In that time, you know, there was a lot of yo-yo dieting, and you know, when we talk about willpower, you know, I think I mentioned it in in one of the previous chapters, but but dieters are sort of known for having. Um, kind of more willpower than most people think. The problem is that the way that they look at willpower is is different, you know, and, and probably the best way to describe it would be is, you know, for, for my business, I mean, it's it's amazing the amount of failure you have with projects until you get like the one or two things that succeed <coughs> and those things succeed wildly. And so the goal is to kind of minimize your failure to a point where, um, you know, it doesn't dig kind of like this huge hole. But, you know, from a willpower standpoint, you know, one of the best things I've heard is that it, it's really like a cup, you know, and in that way, you know, the more you're using your willpower cup, you know, let's say it's water uh, and you're drinking from that. And then all of a sudden you have, you know, it's just like a, a road rage incident or something. You know, now all of a sudden you need your willpower for that and, and it's not available. And so you make a bad choice there. And there's probably a lot of examples, deaths in the family, you know, really a lot of things that you need mental fortitude for that, you know, isn't always there. And so... In my early 30s, it was really more about kind of reducing calories. I was sort of fixated on the 2,000 and 1,200 number. It's actually sort of shocking, and if you're not familiar with the 2,000, 1,200 number, basically, you know, for the longest time, and I actually heard it as an advertisement recently, <coughs> that uh, 2,000 is for maintenance and 12,000 is for cutting, which is absolutely absurd as a recommendation for overall people and it's shocking how many diets have been based on that type of system and i would say that i fell prey to that type of mentality because when you look at my level of activity on a daily basis you know as i mentioned before it's usually around 2700 3000 calories and so if you knew that and and you set your calories you know the way that a lot of these you know internet calculators are setting them up you're going to set them up pretty aggressively and when you set up your calories at 1200 or 1500 or something of that nature and you're really supposed to be eating a lot more what are you going to do well you're going to lose a lot of energy throughout the day you're going to feel lethargic and so my early um you know, explorations as it relates to dieting, you know, I did not have movement as a priority in my life at all because I, you know, I was too aggressive, like a lot of people, you know, I mean, my story is very similar to a lot of other people's story. And so, you know, I'm, if this doesn't speak to you, you know, I'm, I'm fairly certain that there are moments within my journey that would speak to you because I do have my phase where um, whole foods became a priority in my life and I was still struggling 
to see results and, and what I did to change that. Because really, you know, it's not that 1,200 to 1,500 calories wouldn't work, right? It would work for a while, but you would get to a point of diminishing returns real quickly. And if you don't know what to do at that point, then you're going to struggle long term. And obviously we have um, a big solution to that. And, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give you the secret. It's really not a secret at all, but you really have to work to normalize. And a big part of Eat to Perform is, you know, when, well, I'll talk about that in just a second when I start talking about the expectation of the scale. But, you know, when you are not dieting, you should have a good understanding and good check-in points. I think what ends up happening with things like the scale, uh, body fat measurements on a scale, body fat measurements in a science lab, um, you know, uh, you know, waist measurements, pictures, all these things, they tell a partial story. They don't tell the full story. And if all you're thinking about is, you know, looking at the mirror and really not having a good relationship with that person, that is your big failure. You know, if, if you were asking me um, where everyone needs to start, it really is look at the mirror and, and love that person. And, and it's from that place of love that you will ultimately find the solution. Like if, if you look, you know, I didn't really struggle. You know, I have, to, I, I will say that, like, you know, I never really struggled loving myself. I mean, certainly, you know, I wasn't happy looking in the mirror. I mean, there's to, there's days right now where I, I look in the mirror and I'm not happy, but I'm able to kind of separate that from, you know, the overall journey and what my goals are. And I think sometimes when people are just so acute, you know, 30 days, got to get a result in two weeks, you know, they put it, the time limit is actually the problem. And so uh, what, you know, I was actually on a coaching call the other day and we were talking to someone and I mentioned to them that, you know, a typical dieting cycle would be somebody's at 215 pounds and then they get to 200. And this is, you know, if there's nothing that you listen to in this whole damn book, you know, just stop whatever you're doing, quit texting people right now and listen to this piece because it's the most important piece as it relates to why you failed all along and why you haven't learned from those failures. So you're 215 pounds, you wanna get under 200. I know how important those decade numbers are to people because as someone that went to 230, I remember how important it was for me when you know getting under 200 pounds. And the problem is is that you get to 200 and the expectation is that you're going to stay under 200 the whole time. And so if, you know, you've been kind of starving your way to 200, eventually you're going to use up all that will, right? And, you know, you're kind of at the end of your rope. And then one day you go and, you know, celebrate, you know, a friend's happy hour at work and you check the scale and you're at 203, 204. 
from a science standpoint, that's normal. You know, all of this talk about inflammation as if people are really super knowledgeable about it. You know, if you don't have a basic understanding that inflammation is required for daily bodily healing, inflammation is a big part of the answer to why we get better as human beings. And for some reason, you know, the diet industry keeps talking about how you want to get rid of inflammation because all they're focused on is weight. And what we're focused on is actually having you better as a human being. And that's a fundamental difference. And I think that that's important to say. So now all of a sudden you're 203, 204, and, and you panic, right? And you start to, you know, do all the things that kind of got you under 200, but your body's at this point kind of tired and, and, and your brain is, is sort of sending signals to you. Hey, I really like that 203, 204, because we were eating at that point. And so, uh, you know, you struggle and you kind of, you kind of, you kind of stay on 201 at, you know, for a while, 201, 2.5, maybe a week, maybe two weeks. And then you do the one thing that is just horrific for dieting. Like I said, when we're talking about, you know, using data, you know, data of a scale, data of waist measurements, data of body fat testing, whatever it is, you have to quit looking at it acutely. You have to look at it as a bigger picture. The simple fact of the matter is that 200 on one scale is different on 200 on another scale that you place this expectation on the 200 number and that's where almost everyone is failing what we teach is that when you're in a cutting cycle you have to allow for some blowback this was the point where i failed over and over and over again because i wanted to hit that finish line, reach that finish line, and then go from there. But more than anything, I just wanted to be normal, right? I wanted to be able to eat like a regular human being. I wanted to be able to eat the things that I liked and and kind of move on. And I think that um, what we are able to provide people is kind of a template that allows them you know, to have a plan when they aren't dieting, right? The diet industry is real good at the starvation part. You know, hey, starve, eat very little calories and don't do very much and struggle sleeping and then get sick. You know, we, we have, um, you know, someone doing a cutting cycle right now. And, you know, she was mentioning to me that she's been kind of sick. And, and, and for the longest time, she hasn't been sick because, you know, she's been going to the gym and sleeping well and, and all these types of things. And, you know, I mean, this is likely proof of what I'm saying. We, we do have an answer for the deficit way of doing things. But what I said to her was, yes, isn't that sort of amazing that as you add the stress elements in, and once again, you know, dieting and, and exercise is, is, is stress. And, and you, know, <laughs> you know, 
I mean, it seems like almost everything we say is contrary to every single damn thing out there. You know, um, stress, as an example, is your body's way of trying to adapt to the stimulus, you know. And so when you're underslept, your body's going to adjust to that. And, you know, when you're underfed, your body's going to adjust to that. And your body has evolved over the course of many years to figure out all the little tricks that, you know, um, these dieting systems are having you guys do. And so, you know, what I explained to her is kind of the topic of this chapter is that that's a little bit of the hurdles that most people struggle with and ultimately, you know, quit. And, and, and that, you know, so let's say that you were looking to lose, you know, 15 pounds in that scenario and you got sick, you lost say three to four pounds and you know, when you're sick, you naturally are going to gravitate towards, um, you know, food for energy, your metabolism's like on high. Um, it's probably some level of guilt if like you believe that a rigid system is the way that way to go. And now all of a sudden, if you aren't kind of keeping track and you aren't looking at the scale or you aren't checking body weight measurements or other things that are kind of keeping you um, focused on your end goals, what ends up happening is, is that failure of dieting actually leads to more, you know, fat storage over time because, you know, one, you got frustrated because you got sick and now all of a sudden, instead of eating an adequate amount for what you do, you know, and then kind of getting back on the plan and then just kind of seeing that eight to 10 week cycle through what you end up doing is, um, you know, kind of quitting because, you know, you haven't lost weight fast enough, right? Everybody's like dying to get to exactly where they want to go as fast as possible. You know, like, you know, other people say out there, you know, how's that working for you? Right. You know, the, um, the simple fact of the matter is that, um, and I believe that's Dr. Phil's thing, which is kind of weird since the, the Oprah, but you know, oh, doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like uh, Oprah's dieting ways has really affected Dr. Phil all that much, um, which, by the way, is fine. You know, um, I mean, that's a little bit of, of my journey. I mean, like like I think that wherever you are, you know, there needs to be a piece of love that is the component. And the fact that that all throughout this process, I loved and cared for myself allowed me to continue on the path and if i had hated myself in that process of trying to get lean you know i would continue struggling because it's always kind of a place of negativity and i think that you know um, a lot of people are more susceptible to a dysfunctional way of eating when they look at things that way um, so I, I apologize if that came off wrong. I didn't mean it to be wrong. Um, you know, Dr. Phil seems like he's comfortable with himself, and I think he should be comfortable with himself, you know. Um, but when you look at um, the, you know, the, the little bounce back that I'm talking about, 
when you get to that decade number of, of 200, you have to allow for a couple pounds for your body to normalize as you start to reintroduce food into the equation. You can't always stay low. And as you up that, typically your recovery signals are going to be better. You're able to perform better in the gym, so therefore you're doing more. You naturally feel more active. You get up and, and walk around throughout the day. So your metabolism sort of starts to, to kick in, and then potentially you'll be much closer to the 200. It's not always like, you know, a super important part of it, but you can sort of push it. You don't have to, though. Um, there are certainly instances where um, you might be coming from an exercise regimen that's really, you know, intense, and then you decide to be more of a muscle building phase. And so, you know, I don't want people to think that we're always talking about doing more and, and more calories because, you know, that's actually not a big stress uh, things that we stress in um, our, you know, the way that we set up people's plans. But the expectation of the scale, I'm telling you, you know, once again, you know, I already used the, the first one, but and so probably you guys aren't going to give me this next one. But, you know, it's not the number on the scale that's the problem. It's the expectation of the number of, on the scale. If it was just data and it was one piece of, say, you know, 30 to 40 things, you know, am I planning my meals? Am I, you know eating mostly whole foods? Am I putting starches you know, near my workout so I have energy, right? These are all pieces of the puzzle and the scale number is just a piece of the puzzle. And there's a lot of ways to look at the scale. You know, for females, as an example, you know, water retention tends to be a little bit differently than it is for males. So a lot of times females will, you know, weigh themselves um, a little bit more sporadically. I know my wife does like, you know, once a week. Some people do once every three days. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, if you lose the expectation of the scale, that that's a big component. So to sort of wrap up this chapter, I really want you guys to look at failure as the thing that light or failure lights the path to eventual success. And when you're taking things, you know, and I'll probably we'll talk about this more than once, but when someone says, you know, because a lot of people listening to that, they're going to go, that's right, he's totally right. You know, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. Every time somebody says that to me, I said, well, you know, are you logging your food? Absolutely, I'm logging my food. You mind if I take a look? Sure, I would love it if the Eat Reform guy looks at my food log and all of a sudden they're eating, they're eating 1,400 calories a day. If you think dieting is a lifestyle, you're ultimately saying food restriction and non-thriving is a lifestyle. And I'm saying to you, that is not just wrong you know, for you, it's wrong for almost everybody. You should always be pushing the upper limits of abundance, especially as you're trying to get better at exercise. But when somebody says to you from now on, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to kill this term, you know, by saying this, but that dieting is a lifestyle, just 
hear me and know that those people are under eating almost all of the time. And so, you know, if you're a trainer and you're kind of working with people, now keep that in in the back of your mind. I'm not trying to say that in a judgmental way. I just I just really think that, you know, some of the things that we say to people, you know, in the right hands it works, you know? I mean, if you're saying, you know, a diet of mostly whole foods, I mean, who who's going to argue with, you know, meats and veggies being health healthy, right? Um I I, I mean, certainly if you're a vegan vegetarian, you might have you know, moral and ethical reasons why, you know, you you know, believe those things and, and, and eat to form is, you know, you know, Hey, we love you guys too. Right. Because, you know, we're really talking about eating an adequate amount for what you do. And if you get, you know, your, um, energy from plants, you know, that's cool by us. We have no judgments on, on that type of stuff. And, and, but, you know, in terms of meats and veggies, you know, um, being a positive thing, um, cause obviously that's been popularized by the paleo movement. You know, I don't think anybody's really arguing against, you know, meats and veggies. I think that, you know, most of the people that would be arguing against the, the paleo um, way of dieting is just that it's not specific and that, you know, it works in the same way that a lot of these other things work by making a chronic deficit. And in the wrong hands, you know, something like orthorexia becomes a you know an issue orthorexia is basically an eating disorder you know maybe i'll add it to the show notes of this page but it's an eating disorder that you know where you know eating you know clean um and and really focusing on like you know quality of the food becomes like so intense that it just rules your life and becomes kind of a net negative from that perspective and so, um, yeah, so, you know, you can be playing with fire with that kind of stuff and in the wrong hands, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're eating your chicken and kale and then, you know, eventually that stops working and, and, and then you start eating less chicken and kale. I think that's what we're trying to highlight here is that the failure piece is when you plateau you have to ask yourself, well, one, you need to understand that you're going to have to recover from this dieting cycle at some point. So the more extreme you go, the more recovery is going to be required. And would you be better off? We would certainly argue that you would be better off with phases, you know, periods where you're, you know, like short periods where your deficits are comfortable, um, but a little bit uncomfortable, right? I mean, uh, but the good majority of the time you're thriving, you're working out, you're building lean tissue, and, and that's really the big thing. And that happens from a place of love, and that happens by embracing the failure along the way that will ultimately light the success. So... I hope everybody appreciated this chapter and we'll talk to you guys later.